you are Locked On Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, all you true sons and daughters. I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball. And on today's episode of Locked on Mizzou, of course, we got to talk about Missouri's 10-point victory in Wichita, which was just completed about, oh, 30 minutes or so ago as I record this podcast. But also, I have some more thoughts on the Missouri-Arkansas game I want to get to. There's some more guys that, that frankly, need some praise that in my haste to get out of podcast last night, didn't get, didn't get to them. And, well, they're going to get their props and, well... Of course, as I like to do, one slight nitpick as well. There were some people online who felt like my tease for the podcast yesterday was overly negative for whatever reason. Well, I think if you listen to the show, you'd know I was was happy as a clam after, after that victory. So anyway, you all know that. You're the listeners. But people on Facebook can get up in their feelings. Have you noticed that? But anyway... Before we get to the basketball game, just quickly, I do want to tell all of you who may not have seen the Georgia football game this Saturday is going to kick off at 11 a.m. on the SEC Network if you can't make it into Memorial Stadium. And of course, that day, Bragging Rights basketball game taking place as well. That'll be a 7 p.m. tip-off, so plenty of time to recover, travel back from the game, whatever it might be, and then settle in for what should be a really entertaining Bragging Rights hoops game, I'm, I'm suspecting. Illinois, currently a top 10 caliber team. Well, at least according to the pollsters, right? But Missouri looking good as well. Again, a 10-point victory for the Tigers. Frankly, it, it didn't feel that close for a lot of the game. Second half, Missouri definitely took control. But there was definitely a time in the first half, Missouri did go into a bit of an offensive funk for sure. I believe it was... It was either 15-10, 15-12, with about eight and a half minutes left in the first half. And frankly, I just thought Missouri, and in particular, Xavier Pinson, was a little bit passive. Just weren't They weren't getting downhill enough in terms of their dribble-drive game. But to me, in the second half, once Drew Smith and Xavier, once they started getting to the rim, getting into the paint, things started really looking up for the Tigers. And, well, they, they cruised to a fairly comfortable victory. Now, obviously, it was frustrating to see Jeremiah Tillman get into foul trouble. Once again, something he had avoided the first two ball games. But you know what? To be perfectly honest, those first two fouls were were pretty questionable, to say the least, especially the second one, in my opinion. But to start off the second half, that that first foul, his his third foul, his first foul of the second half, that was definitely on him. He was too aggressive with the hedge defense there on the pick and roll and basically allowed the ball handler to run into him. That that was a blocking foul. That was pretty clear and, well, just a little bit too aggressive there from Tillman. But overall, offensively, I loved his aggression. I think he looks like, again, the, the announcers were really emphasizing that they thought that Tillman looked like he was in great shape. I, I don't know if I noticed that so much. I've always felt like he was in good shape, but... Really, I just think he looks healthy. That's the thing with Jeremiah. And and just mentally, he looks like he's just locked into the game. After he put away a a hard two-handed dunk there, there was no no screaming, no flexing, no any of that. It was just, 
I don't even know that his facial expression really changed after the dunk. He simply looked for his man and was scanning the court defensively almost immediately. The, the switch from offense to defense, you could tell it just switched in his head. He wasn't terribly concerned about the dunk. He was on to the next play. And I don't know, just I, I you could definitely tell he was being very conscious about being vertical with his hands, and that's certainly going to help him avoid foul trouble. The only thing I would say to Jeremiah is sometimes when he focuses on being vertical, occasionally he forgets to move his feet, and that causes him to get the occasional foul like you saw with the hedge there up top there early second half. So overall, though, I thought Jeremiah played a pretty good game considering he didn't get to play nearly as much as we all would have liked. Now, one thing I'm going to be watching a lot as this season unfolds for the Tiger basketball team is how the minutes distribution works out between Kobe Brown, Mitchell Smith, and Parker Brown, because those are your three main big guys other than Tillman, right? Those are the guys who can all potentially play at least a small ball version of center and guys you can count on to go go up and get a rebound. But here's the thing with Parker Brown that I think we saw today quite clearly. He's an asset offensively, without a doubt. But I think the question with Parker remains, can he guard anyone? That That's totally the question with him. And, and I'm not saying that he can't. I, I just need to see it a little more. Because there was one sequence where Parker threw down an absolutely beautiful dunk. I mean, above the rim, off an alley-oop. He was really soaring there. But then the next trip down court, he's immediately blown by on the other end for an easy layup. But then a couple possessions later, Parker knocks down a three at the top of the key. Wasn't shy about taking one later in the half either. So you really like to see all of that. I think, again, offensively, he is a really, really nice piece. But you do see why Mitchell Smith and Kobe Brown tended to play a lot more last season because, well, they're they're simply just better defensive players, without a doubt. But I tell you, I really liked what I saw from Kobe Brown today, too, especially the fact that he frankly reined in his three-point shooting a little bit. I like that he didn't take any threes, but I like that when he stepped outside and saw an advantage against a man he felt was a little bit slower, well, Kobe's an underrated ball handler, and there was a couple times he took him off the dribble scored a layup once, and I believe drew a foul the other time. So something to keep him, keep uh, an eye on there with Kobe. Maybe one of his, maybe his best offensive game as a Tiger. 14 points on seven shots, made all six of his free throws as well. And I will just say the one thing I liked about Xavier Pinson tonight, and there wasn't a whole lot to like when you get one of 13 from the field, quite frankly. I like that he didn't pout. I like that at the end of the game, he was still cheering and happy and, you know, it's all about the team right now for these guys. And that's something that's really gratifying to see. You can just tell that these guys are locked in together and you can tell they're locked in on the defensive end of the court because, well, 33% for Wichita. I know that team is undermanned right now with just eight scholarship players, but when Missouri went into a bit of an offensive lull there... Well, the defense kept him in the game, in my humble opinion. And speaking of my humble opinion, when the Tigers win a basketball game, well, there's no better way to celebrate than with a cold, frosty Coors Light. 
Ah, yes, that mountain cold refreshment that's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind or just a moment to celebrate Missouri being undefeated in basketball. Yes, Coors Light is as cool as Connor Basilak under pressure. And just know that Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. By the way, if the Koch brothers could once again dip into their considerable wealth and donate a non-slick floor to Wichita State next time, that would be great. Because that was getting a little bit annoying at a certain point, wasn't it? Way too much slipping. But quickly, just a couple little nitpicks here about the basketball team, who's off to a great start. Again, I'm, I'm really encouraged so far. But just a couple little nitpicks before we transition to football. I do just want to say, for as much as I like the pace right now, especially how Missouri is advancing the ball up court with the pass, but by golly, there are still times on the fast break when Missouri has numbers that they're just not, in my opinion, running fast breaks how they should be run. Now, it's quite simple. If it's two-on-one, you need to spread out. If it's three-on-one or three-on-two, get the ball to the middle of the court. Sometimes they're just not doing the simple spacing and the simple aspects of fast breaks, in my opinion. For instance, one time a player, it was a clear two-on-one situation, but you know he needed to be patient and allow that situation to play itself out. Instead, he advanced the ball actually a little bit too quickly, And suddenly it was a one-on-one situation instead of two-on-one. Also on the defensive end of the court, again, Missouri statistically played an amazing game today. I am just a little bit worried. There were times, I thought, when our pick-and-pop defense, the three-point defense in general, left something to be desired. And frankly, against a better opponent, against an opponent with a big guy who can step out, and shoot the three ball, well, that's something that Missouri was vulnerable to defensively last season. And I didn't see a lot to I didn't see a lot in this game to totally assuage my fears there. So that's something I'm definitely gonna keep an eye on. So as we transition to football here, I was saying to the people I attended the game with yesterday, boy, it sure is gonna be a different walk to the car based on whether this true freshman makes a kick or not. <laughs> but fortunately, Harrison Mevis came through big time, as did Connor Basilak, as did Damon Hazelton and Kiki Chisholm, quite frankly. I didn't I didn't give those two in particular enough props yesterday. A couple guys who maybe got off to somewhat of a slow start in their only season here in Columbia, but both guys have well, Kiki in particular has come on. Hazelton actually had somewhat dropped down the depth chart behind one of my loves, Mr. Toski Dove. And, you know, it would have been real easy for a guy like Damon Hazelton, who doesn't have that much sweat equity put into Mizzou at this point, would have been really easy for him to just opt out and say, you know what, I'll see you guys later. I'm going to start training for a, a potential run at the NFL here or whatever comes Damon Hazelton's way in the future. 
But instead of pouting, instead of acting like, hey, man, I've had a 900-yard season at Virginia Tech before. I don't need this crap. The guy kept his head down, and when Missouri needed him, he really, really played a darn good ball game yesterday. And frankly, if he doesn't do it, we don't win without him. Also, props to Barrett Bannister, quite honestly. four of I believe four of his five catches went for a first down, including an absolutely crucial one where he just did a perfect job, in my opinion. I believe it was, it was maybe a third and nine, something like that. He catches the ball. Four or five yards short of the of the excuse me, he catches the ball four or five yards short of the marker and just knows exactly where it is, makes the perfect cut, puts his head down, and gets the first down in an ultra crucial situation where again he doesn't get that. We're a little short. Maybe Missouri has to go for it, and surely. If they don't get the first down in that situation, they're not going to win the football game. So just a true team effort by everybody in this scenario. And you know what? Speaking of Kiki Chisholm, I definitely criticized him a tiny bit or basically just said, eh, let's maybe let's maybe keep those thoughts to ourselves after the first game against Alabama when he basically said, well, I can't throw myself the football in in reference to his lack of targets, lack of catches, whatever it was, lack of production there after after week one. And that didn't necessarily sit the best with me. I I definitely didn't go out of my way to kill the guy or anything, but I I definitely said, ah, maybe next time let's just not say stuff like that. Well, Kiki Chisholm had another quote this time around. Talking about his man, Connor Bazelak, he said, quote, I seen a quarterback who is in complete control, poised in every moment in every situation. He's the leader of our offense, and we go as he goes. It was never a moment where he was rattled or overwhelmed, and just to have a quarterback with that confidence, it really gives you belief that no matter what situation that you're in, that he's going to lead us to victory. Now that's the kind of quote you want to hear, and especially because it's true. Connor Bazelak was excellent yesterday. And you know what? I think the people who were maybe confused and thought that I was being negative somehow misconstrued my sentence in my teases online yesterday where I said, Connor Bazelak shines despite throwing no touchdown passes. That wasn't a criticism. I'm saying he was awesome. (laughs) Shines mean he was really, really good. I'm saying that the fact that he didn't throw a touchdown pass is meaningless. That's what I meant by despite. But apparently some people may have gotten confused there. But anyway, enough with that. A few more thoughts on Mizzou football, especially this Arkansas game. You know what? In particular, I've got a bit of, of, of criticism for that well, maybe criticism's the wrong word. How about just another look at that fake field goal play? A big moment there for Arkansas. And also, speaking of special teams, a young man who really stood out on Saturday that I hadn't heard much about before. I want to talk about him too, but first a word from our friends at Built Go. And I'm not going to lie, as I record this podcast, I do have the Red Zone channel just off to my left here. And as I glanced over... Well, the Los Angeles Chargers missed a field goal. That's very on-brand for them. And if you're a Chargers fan, you've got to break through a mental wall every single week to watch this team, right? You need some energy. You need a pickup. Well, what better way than to get it with Build Go? Because 
Whether it is a mental or a physical wall, these easy-to-take, one-and-a-half-ounce packages are the perfect way to get through whatever is vexing you. Whether it's the chargers, whether it's that workout, whether it's a long business meeting, either way, it's like five-hour energy without the crash. So visit BuiltGo.com and use the promo code LOCKED, and you'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. BuiltGo, let's go. Once again, I'm so happy for Jamal Brooks that Connor Bazelak and Harrison Mevis and the whole receiving core, the offensive line, able to march it downfield there quite nicely. Four for four Connor was on that drive, by the way. Get the field goal, get the win, take Jamal Brooks off the hook for that bizarre dropped interception that led to a two-point conversion with about 45 seconds left or so. You know, really, if there's anything to learn from that, I guess it's that on a two-point play or a fourth down, always remind yourself that catching the ball is not important, especially on a two-point conversion, especially, well, especially in that spot. Let's put it that way. I mean, in theory, you can return it all the way back for another two. That's one thing, but that wasn't going to happen in that spot for Jamal Brooks. And frankly, he's probably not fast enough to go 100 yards from the back of the end zone. So in that spot, just if you're a defender, keep it in the back of your, of your mind. It's like a It's like a Hail Mary at that point. You just want to knock the ball down. Getting an interception is meaningless. And speaking of Mizzou linebackers, I hadn't really heard of Jamie Petway before yesterday. Number 29. Well, he made his he made his presence known yesterday in a big way, that's for darn sure. Had an enormous, enormous hit on kickoff coverage at one point. And then later, I noticed there were two guys he was fighting off after the whistle, and by golly, he was not backing down whatsoever. It wasn't a personal foul-type, late-hit-type fighting. I just mean that those guys were still giving him the business after the whistle. Frankly, he was getting double-teamed. If anything, there should have been a foul on Arkansas there. I'm not saying that Petway did anything wrong. Quite the opposite. I'm saying I actually loved his fight there. There's a little bit of dog in Jamie Petway, and I mean that in a very, very complimentary way. Something, keep an eye on that kid, number 29, redshirt freshman from Albany, Georgia. By the way, when Arkansas first ran that run play where they faked a pitch to the left side and then ultimately it ended up being some sort of a draw play to the other way, like they would fake the pitch to the left and then it would be a draw play to the inside or more to the right. Possibly a trap. I'm not totally sure. They may have even ran different versions of this play. I'm not totally certain. But as soon as they ran that the first time, I went, man, that play is cool. (laughs) If, If I'm Eli Drinkwitz, I am absolutely stealing that play right now. And sure enough, Arkansas ran that, I believe, three or four more times to very good effect, hitting at least at least one huge chunk yard yardage play for them for sure. Frankly, if anybody thought my tease yesterday was overly critical, and maybe because I, I used the word mismanaged to, to tease a special team situation yesterday, well, maybe the word mismanaged is a little harsh when I said, suggested that Missouri should have run some sort of onside kick from the 50-yard line after a 15-yard penalty yesterday. 
Well, yeah, mismanaged. That's a little harsh. That that wasn't obviously, you know, getting a getting a touchback there is not a bad result by any stretch of the imagination. So I don't want to go nuts there. I just just making a suggestion, basically. But honestly, I will say that Missouri did mismanage the faked field goal conversion by Arkansas. They got a twenty yard gain there. To me, in that situation, you just got to leave your base defense in there and forget about trying to block the kick because Arkansas had already missed an extra point. I believe they'd already missed a field goal at that point. There there was clearly not a lot of confidence in their field goal unit. We could all see that. So to me, the idea that they were really going to attempt, I don't know, a 40-yard field goal, whatever it was going to be there, I would say go ahead. That that would be my attitude defensively at that point. Go ahead and make it. Let's see it. To me, they overplayed their hand a little bit. They, they should have been more conservative defensively. Let's put it that way. I would have just not even put put the field goal unit out there. But once again, don't want to sound like I'm being harsh here by any stretch of the imagination. Eli Drinkwitz, the whole staff, has done an absolutely fabulous job this year. No question about it. Very, very few, very, very, very few people could have imagined that Missouri would have been five and three at this point. What can you say? As a long time, decades long Missouri fan and season ticket holder, I couldn't be happier with Eli at this point. Just because I have the occasional suggestion and maybe nitpick, does that mean that does that mean that I'm too harsh? I don't think so. If you want if you want Mizzou propaganda, well, you're not going to find it here. You will get some very, very hyper-partisan Missouri takes, but I'm still going to try to be honest with you, too. And by the way, just one final note before we get out of here. I really thought Kentucky offensive guard Kenneth Horsey was going to be a tough name to beat as far as the best football names in the SEC. But you know what, Kenneth Horsey? I'd like to introduce you to Arkansas Razorback Bumper Pool because, well, he now has the championship belt. I'm sorry to report it, but it's true. And with all that being said, you're probably not going to get a podcast from me on Monday or Tuesday because, well, quite frankly, you got one on Saturday and Sunday. So I'm going to take a couple days off here, but I'll see you all again on Wednesday right here. On Locked On Mizzou.